This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm excited to get this uh, edition of the Adam Ritz Show up and running. Did you just hear that, Jay? I just scooted my chair back and hit my file cabinet, and it made the biggest boom. Did you hear that? Yeah, that was like uh, when the police were recording Roxanne, and uh, somebody hit the piano. No kidding. Uh, you know that little that, dis- that discordant note right at the beginning? Okay, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Uh, You'll have to go back and listen. It's kind of a famous moment. They left it in. Sting actually backed into the piano. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah, um, so at the very beginning of Roxanne, there's a, a chord that's obviously not supposed to be in there, and it's from him striking the piano. He said, I think, with his butt. So it's a butt chord. Didn't they, uh, during um, Jack and Diane, the recording from, at the time, John Cougar, uh, didn't they use... Uh, um, like a like the the clap machine just to get the timing just just for the rhythm, but then they and, and, have, and yeah. they they had it in the the raw recording and then once John heard it the final product he's like you know what I really like that clap machine so they left it in. Oh, that's cool. Then there's the story of uh, the biggest urban I guess legend of all is the Ohio players recording of uh was it love roller coaster where somebody apparently yes. got murdered in the studio next door and you can hear her scream is that true yeah well uh that uh, apparently is just that an urban legend uh i've read more than one article that sort of tried to track that down uh the first article kind of stated that that seems like such an unlikely occurrence uh, there's not a lot of murders at recording studios. So, <laughs> no kidding. You, so I'm not totally debasing it. I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of very random factors would have to come together all at once for that to be a true story. And here's your, your first, uh, I guess, advice from the public affairs perspective. Please don't murder somebody in the recording studio to try to make a hit record. Uh, Do not. There was a band called Jet that had a song, um, an alternative rock band that had a, a song in the early 2000s called Are You Gonna Be My Girl? And right. they had, um, in the beginning of the song, there's a, th- a throat clear. So the lead singer or somebody in the in the studio went, <clears throat> and they didn't know they were rolling yet, and they left it in the song. So when you hear that song, oh, you, cool. you hear, uh, you know, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun starts, and then you hear... <clears throat> <laughs> oh, no, no, that's very cool. Uh, you know, uh, the other famous uh, little thing that got left in a song, the beginning of Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama, you hear a voice say, turn it up. Oh, that's famous. Yeah. And that's out of the vocal booth. And Ronnie Van Zant was getting ready to lay down his vocal track. And he was asking them to turn up his headphones. Turn it up. And And it just fit perfectly with the song, so they left it in. And then, Jay, maybe the most famous uh, mistake audio 
during a broadcast or a recording is uh, is when Adam Ritz backed his show into the or his chair into the uh, the metal file cabinet. And you <laughs> you're going to go down in legend. And you heard a gong. Uh, you know what? It's it's like the gong show here. So right when I started, hi, welcome to the show. There's a gong telling me to get off the stage. Okay. That's funny. So it's the Adam Ridge Show. Uh, we can start talking about public affairs now. Uh, Jay Baker is uh, joining me on the telephone. And Jay, uh, recently there was uh, an exhibition, a, a jamboree, if you will, uh, in Denver, Colorado, with the um, wheelchair lacrosse uh of of the united states the they called it the wlusa nationals 2022 in denver colorado just a couple of weeks ago wheelchair lacrosse how cool is that it started in 2010 and it's a great opportunity for people with disabilities uh and people without disabilities to get together and uh, play a sport i'm guessing that's a pretty fit group of guys that are playing wheelchair lacrosse yeah, and um, you know you can get involved with their website wheelchairlacrosse.com. It's a national organization. They have teams all over the country, uh, and I wanted to just go over some of these team names. It's kind of cool. Um, the Buffalo Bandits, the Colorado Rolling Mammoth. You've got to Ooh. get me a Rolling Mammoth hat. Um, <laughs> you know, I went through a phase where I liked to find obscure teams and get a hat just because. You know, it's it's everybody's got an Alabama or Notre Dame hat. Nobody has a rolling mammoth hat. No. <laughs> the Grand Rapids Frenzy, the Houston Apollos, the Maryland Thunder, the Milwaukee Eagles, the uh here's a great one, the North in uh, Durham, New Hampshire, the Northeast Passage Wildcats. Holy cow, how I about, like that a how lot. How about the Long Island Hammerheads? There's a oh yeah. There's a that would be some cool swag to get. Um, those are the teams. There's news and events. They've got uh, stuff happening throughout the year, and they've also got a donate button, which I think is important because uh, in order to have wheelchair cro- lacrosse, you know, lacrosse, it's not cheap to send the Buffalo team uh, to play the Denver team. So they need resources and funding to pull this off. So if you'd like to get involved. Um, Maybe even just share the information on your social media to raise awareness or actually donate some funding. Uh, you can go to wheelchairlacrosse.com. All right. The Adam Rich Show, underwritten in part by Vibonomics. You can learn more about them at vibonomics.com. We've got a, a link to their website right on our website, adamritzshow.com. Um, I'm not kidding about that rolling thunder or roll. I'm sorry, rolling. Ma- I'm combining teams now. The rolling mammoth. Uh, hat. I'm going to look that up and see if I can get some swag. I bet you they have some. Um, and, and, you know, now you know what to get me for a holiday or gift uh, idea. Any kind of swag from a team that is very obscure. Um, that is gold to me. Do not get me a Notre Dame hat. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after this season. What's happened to them? Absolutely. Okay. What's happening in your world, Jay? Well, you know, we're undergoing uh, the midst of mourning for Queen Elizabeth II, who I, passed you know away, what? sadly. I, I hadn't heard. I didn't know. You, you, this is the first that you have heard of it. My I know. Goodness, you can't, a, you can't go anywhere without hearing about the Queen. You're, the fan, you're a big fan of the monarchy. You know, I heard uh, Prince and uh, Michael Jackson and David Bowie also passed away. Yes. 
So I think something's going on in Great Britain might be the water. We need to check on that. It uh, it is uh, quite an amazing story. 70 years. uh, I mean, that's amazing. It is. It's it's literally unheralded without a pun intended. And uh, they uh, put into place Operation London Bridge. Apparently, the royal family likes to create uh, all these scenarios. What if this happened? What if that happened? And they give them code names, almost like Ian Fleming, the guy that wrote all the James Bond books. You know, everything was Operation This, Operation That. But they wrote Operation London Bridge to ensure the smooth transition on the event of Her Majesty passing away or becoming incapacitated. And unfortunately, she did pass away. She passed away peacefully with family by her side, which is very positive. And uh, she'll be uh, she'll have a state funeral at Westminster Abbey, the first funeral for a monarch since 1760 holy cow now westminster abbey was actually around in 1760 and now they're having yet another uh, funeral but that just shows the amazing length of time that has passed i had no idea she was born in 1760 she was old yeah well this is for a monarch apparently (laughs) uh like the edwards and the charles before them uh, they didn't go to Westminster Abbey. So apparently uh, we're back to the creme de la creme front row for the for the for Queen Elizabeth. That is, uh, you know, it's dominated the news cycle. Uh, it's one of those situations where years from now, decades from now, people will say, do you where were you when Queen Elizabeth died? You know, and we yeah. heard about it because, uh, you know, for. You look at the, the the pictures. I've seen some pictures of her from uh, every 10 years from 1952. So they have a picture of her. There's seven photos from 52 to 62 to 72 and so on. And it's pretty amazing just to see her uh, through the years with the same crown on uh, for, se- for seven decades as queen. Yes. I mean, I'm hoping just to live 70 years, let alone have the same job for 70 years. Yeah, it speaks of great health and all kinds of stuff that for her to serve that length of time. Now, here's uh, the Adam Rich Show tip of the week. Um, Because a lot of people like to talk about uh, the monarchy and very few people know much about it. What I usually like to do is let people get about three sentences into their story. Then I make eye contact with them and say, look. I'm an expert on the monarchy, and here's what you really need to know. Then I proceed to tell them something that possibly is unverified. Uh, (laughs) But I have found that by stating unequivocally that you are an expert on the monarchy, they're locked into what you're going to say next. They'll believe whatever you're going to say because they probably are not an expert on the monarchy. Correct. If you say Prince Charles has to make a finger painting of his wife, Camilla, that will hang in Royal Albert Hall, they'll sit and listen to you and believe every word that you just said. I have no reason to not believe you, Jay, as the (laughs) monarchy expert that you are. I am a monarchy expert and I make no bones about it. (laughs) Hey, here's some relationship advice. And I I bet you have a strong opinion on this one way or another. Apparently, relationships work a little bit better 
if the man is perceived to have a better sense of humor than his wife. You know, I had heard that this week. Um, I, I guess I uh, agree. I, I've, I, I like to, I like to make people laugh. I like to make uh, Melissa laugh, and uh, maybe, maybe it'd be uh, worse for our relationship if I never made her laugh and she was the funny one in our relationship. Now she is funny, but I hope to think that I'm funnier and that that's the backbone of our relationship. We that's may. <laughs> what's making. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was interesting. And, you know, I don't have good perspective on this because I've had the good fortune of working around some very funny people. So I've always felt like I at least have a decent sense of humor, but I've never really stopped to think about, you know, does my relationship work better if my wife thinks I'm the funny one? You know, I thought you were going to say that you've had the good fortune to work around some very funny people, and all of them have had a series of terrible relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone on scientifically and proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. So based on our research, including our personal research, th- this is not true. So may- maybe right. uh, maybe we would have had stronger relationships, longer relationships, had we not been, uh, n- had we not thought we were the funny one. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things we love to talk about on this show is philanthropy. And uh, it's very interesting uh, that very well-to-do people and very well-to-do circles are really thinking in terms of being systemically philanthropic. And we've talked before about Jeff Bezos, his divorce, his ex, Mackenzie Scott, has become one of the preeminent philanthropists in the United States she recently donated two homes worth $55 million to charity. Wow. I well, I did not see that coming. Homes, I thought you were yeah. going to say they were like, you know, three-bedroom, two-bath homes uh, in a suburb. She gave them to a family that, that needed them. She, she just happened to have access to two uh, $25 million houses that she gave away. Yeah. Well, this was part of her divorce settlement with uh, Jeff. So there you go. That I, I always call Jeff Jeff, you know, because he and I are pretty tight. You know, you and Jeff uh, hanging out, Absolutely. talking about uh, his ex-wife giving away fifty million dollars worth of homes. Who got the homes? What are they going to do with them? Is this, this well, one lucky they, guy, one lucky family, uh, or they or went to the California Community Foundation, and their game plan is to sell these homes to create wealth to grant for affordable housing grants. Okay. So they'll turn around and take the proceeds from the sale of these two homes. But it also shows you Southern California real estate, man, it's it's out of control, isn't it? it it's all over the country. Yeah, I just heard you that Florida housing has increased a couple hundred percent. Um, what was the name of that California... Uh uh, charity organization that got the homes? Oh, uh, California Community Foundation. Okay. That's a great cause. Uh, they'll be able to you know, get some funding to turn around and help families in need with housing. That's awesome. Uh, American Express just launched a new program called Amex Roundup, and it allows you to round up uh, your purchases on your MasterCard to the designated charity of your choice. And you can either round up to the nearest dollar, 
nearest $5 or nearest $10 allotment. So or, if you have an American Express card, you can check into this. Or, or if you're Jeff, to the nearest million dollar. Yeah, Jeff just, you know, uh, there's there's a little column uh, round up to the nearest million, and then he checks the box that says chump change. Now, I think this is uh, this is great for um, a credit card that you have that you use that you can opt in and do something like this. Uh, I've noticed, and I hate I hate that that I get bothered with this, but I just do. When I'm at a checkout counter at a store or a restaurant, and I'm just trying to get through my day, and they ask me if I want to donate to their charity, whoever they're involved with. And they ask me if I want to round up my, uh, I guess, bill to the nearest dollar. Let's say it's $19.50. You can round up to $20 and then 50 cents goes to the charity. I don't like that, Jay. I'm just trying to get through. I just want to get in my car and go home. And I know that's selfish of me. But part of me is like, look, I don't know who your charity, I don't know who your CEO is. I don't know how much of this money is actually going to go to this charity. How dare you ask me this? Just, you know, here's the deal. I wanted some stuff. Here, you, There's the price. I'm giving you money to get the stuff. That's that's what I've walked into your building to do. Right. And if you want to make me jump through another hoop to get this process done that I didn't even want to do in the first place, to buy my shampoo and soap, um, it's just it's – just, can you walk me off the ledge here, Jay? Am I the, am I the jerk? <laughs> Can we just stop with the que- – there's too many questions on the touchscreen anyway. Do I want to join your email club? Do I want to join your text club? Should we print or email the receipt? Do you want to round up for charity? Look, just let me leave. Please let me leave the building. <laughs> well, you're, you're not being a jerk, but you are right. It, it's convenient so that's set up that way and you can understand them doing it. But you just raised a good point. We talk about a lot on the show. Where is that money going? You don't mind donating to causes that you have very firm convictions about. But when they say, hey, do you want to round up so that, you know, uh, this for whatever the perceived charity is, you wouldn't mind doing it if it was something that you were totally committed to. Yeah, and I, you know, we always encourage people on this show to get involved and and help out, uh, raise awareness, raise funding, give back when you can, give back when you can't. And I do have a, a level of guilt when I'm in a checkout lane, and they say, "Would you like to round up for our charity?" Uh, and I say no, and I just I feel terrible saying that, but it's just something that's bothered me since they started doing that. And I yeah. guess, you know what would make me feel better or trust it more is if somehow they did a report on how much money over the course of a year with everybody rounding up 22 to 78 cents, the millions of shoppers to do that, the millions of dollars raised, how much of that money went to their charity and what it was for. That would help me round up and not, and not feel like, gosh, you're just, you're killing me here. Um, right. So, and you know, that not to get off on a tangent here, but we're always talking about scams and making sure the charities you donate are real. Um, I There's a new scam, Jay. Uh, oh, my gosh. Scam alert here. I was talking to my mother. She's 81 years old. She got a phone call from a, a child voice that said, Grandma, I'm in trouble and I need some money. 
Can you oh, believe my. that? So this, it may have been a computer voice or it may have been a real person. Uh, but it's not, this is not just a text scam anymore or email me your routing number to get the $50 million from Nigeria. It's a human voice saying that it's your grandchild that's in trouble right. that needs money. And the reason she knew it wasn't uh, one of her five grandchildren is because that nobody calls her grandma. That, that's right. not her name. Um, and I'm not going to give what they call her out because I don't want you scammers listening to this show to know what to call her. <laughs> but you just got to always be in your toes. Maybe that's the cynic in me. You know, I don't uh, I don't answer the phone when somebody calls me and wants money and I don't uh, round up at the checkout. I guess I'm just the largest jerk that ever lived. I admit it. Well, no, I don't think that you are at all. And I know that you uh, really understand philanthropy and you've been part of uh you know, different fundraisers for charities in the past and you will be uh, in the future. But you're right. It seems like, um, you know, I would, you know, sometimes the rounding up thing is kind of a nickel and dime kind of thing. Most people like to just give an amount to charities that they believe in. Uh, I'd rather go to a charity event bid on an item in a silent auction, knowing that all the proceeds go to that charity, then I may get an item that I like. Uh, you know, so I, I, you're absolutely correct. Everybody has a different comfort level. You know, I, I, you, I just did this week what you just said. I, uh, a coworker of mine's son is raising money for uh, their high school band to be able to perform in the Macy uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade. So that's a great cause. I want those kids to enjoy that. I donated to the cause. I bought some raffle tickets. Um, Good. There's a chance I could win uh, a Mini Cooper worth $30,000. Now, it's a 1 in 7,000 chance, so right. I'm not counting on winning that car. Uh, and I just thought, you know what? This is a good cause. I'll, I'd rather give my money to something like that than round up at the counter to some corporate organization that I don't really know what they're doing with the money. You know, Jay, I apologize to you for hijacking your story on the American Express Roundup program. <laughs> what a great program you brought up. Uh, I'm not poo-pooing that program or American Express, because if you're, no. uh, if you're an Amex card member, you're obviously uh, in touch with that their corporate well, philosophy. You're a, you're a loyal customer of of their products and services, and you can trust what they're doing. Um, here, well, and here I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but here's the caveat to the Amex one: the rounding up, you get to designate which charity you want to give it to. Oh, that's even better. So, so yeah, if you're out spending money and your card is eligible for the Amex roundup, and you say you want to give it to the American Red Cross, let's say. Then every time you round up, the American Red Cross gets that round up figure. So it's really designed, and it's exactly going back to your point. Unless you know where the money's going to, you go, look, I, I just, I don't feel committed unless I feel committed to the charity. Mm -hmm. Great. And great everybody point. does have to have that point. You know, your point's well taken. Not only do you have scammers and, you know, they're they're relying on the fact that they're going to alarm an older citizen with grandma, I need money. I mean, that's a pretty heinous scam. Don't you agree? It is. It is. And my mom has a little um, uh, experience with this because I would call her and say, mom, I need money. And she'd hang up. 
sure. Well, <laughs> she knew she could detect your voice with call with, with call. What is it? Caller ID. ID that really ruined you and your mom's relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a scam alert. If you see on your oh. caller ID Adam Ritz calling, wanting money, hang up. That's a scam alert. Yeah. Needy college student on line one. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, here is a great intersection of technology and philanthropy. And the more I read about this, I encourage all the listeners to the Adam Rich Show. And we know there's millions of you. Millions. uh, Millions, at least thousands of you from coast to coast. But uh, very interesting charity that used technology created by a couple of grad students from MIT, and it's called Give Directly. So think think of the phrase, Give Directly, all one word. They provide cash transfers to poor people and villages in developing countries in Africa. And where they differ is they realize that by giving cash instead of Instead of going out and helping with other projects, they said by giving cash to the most needy people, they're able to have some flexibility to the people that they give to to spend the money where it will do them the most good. And their research indicates that this model works very well. So it's like Venmo. Uh, And instead of just Venmoing your uh, daughter or friend uh, for lunch, the money that it costs for lunch, you are... Uh, I guess technology using a technical app to transfer cash directly to uh, people that need it in uh, suffering yes. poor parts of uh, of Africa. Is, is it just Africa? Well, right now it is predominantly Africa, but they are expanding their reach to parts of Europe, and also they have done a, a couple of test projects in the United States, but. They now give out hundreds of millions of dollars per year. That's how much Give Directly has caught on. And this is the part where I'm saying the more I read, the more amazed I became. If you go to givedirectly.org, they lay out exactly what their mission is and how they accomplish it. And it's a pretty remarkable uh, story because it really – it's what you and I have talked about. If you have had the good fortune of having a few extra dollars and you want to help those around you and you're looking for credible sources uh, to be part of your charity, this company is pretty extraordinary. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, give all your charity dollars to give directly. But when you read uh, the way this was created and what they do now, it's one of the most remarkable things I've seen in a, quite a while givedirectly.org and let me yes. just touch on the number you said they've already raised hundreds of millions of dollars that is yeah unbelievable well they do that per year adam per so it's year? not like yeah it's not like well you know last year we had a good year and we gave away 40 million they're giving away hundreds of millions of dollars per year it was a startup that began in 2011 and it was based on uh, guys that were in the tech field and people that were trying to create a charitable path of giving. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. And it's a little bit of like what you just said. Uh, you know, their mission statement kind of guides you through the process. But if you said to yourself, hey, you know, I want to give, 
you know, $50 a month or $100 a month or $25 a week or however, whatever your comfort level is, this may be worth checking out. You know, those MIT people, they are always ahead of the curve. They're all like smart and such and seem to know a lot about technology. And then when they got a good heart combined with it, it's technology meets philanthropy meets smarter guys than us doing good stuff. We, we should have a segment on the show uh, every week where we highlight uh, somebody good from MIT that did something good. But then just to, you know, to square it out, also highlight somebody from MIT that did something bad. <laughs> or just through his inactivity, did little or nothing. Did little or nothing. Here's an MIT grad who's doing nothing today, and they should All feel ashamed did. of themselves. All he did was eat lunch and take a nap. He didn't help others. <laughs> and he always denies the roundup at the checkout. What a he jerk. He denies the roundup and will not participate in the Amex roundup no matter how much they ask him. All right, givedirectly.org. Uh, I will yeah, check that out. A, we encourage our listeners to check binding. that out too. Interesting stuff, Jay Baker. Um, less than a minute to go here. I just want to touch on the Dallas Clark uh, Triathlon. Or I'm sorry, I have to apologize to Dallas now. I, I said triathlon. It's an Ironman. He's Iron running Man. an Ironman in uh, Hawaii, uh, the world famous Hawaiian uh, Ironman this October. Uh, he's doing it to raise money and awareness for children's hospitals, both the Peyton Manning Children's Hospital and the uh, University of Iowa Hospital, which is world famous for the wave before the kickoff of the Iowa Hawkeyes football games. Um, we'll give updates throughout the, the fall here on Dallas's uh, efforts with the Ironman and how much money he's raising for those children's hospitals. And I hope to have him on the show uh, in the next few weeks. I know he's getting down to the nitty-gritty with training, so it might be tough to get him on until after uh, the race in October. But that's the Dallas Clark situation. You can learn more about his foundation. Guess where? DallasClarkFoundation.org. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.